Thank you, Martha, for this beautiful poem. We are talking about the prophet Isaiah this morning. Before we open the word of God, I'd like to invite you to bow your heads for a short prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for teaching us how we should worship you. So we learn about true worship again. And hopefully in two weeks, we would conclude this mini-series. We need to understand what true worship really means because the false is coming. And as we understand from the book of Daniel and also from Revelation, that this will be a worldwide event, will be an enforced form of worship. So please lead our minds and thoughts as we study the book of Isaiah this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So please turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. This is Isaiah chapter 6, and I'm reading the whole chapter. This is a very short one. Isaiah chapter 6. I'm beginning with verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah died, that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, or destroyed, or cut off, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then all of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live live coal, which he had taken with the tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity has taken away, and your sin purged or atoned for. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go and tell these people, Keep on hearing but don't understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of these people dull, and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, 
lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant. The houses are without a man. The land is utterly destroyed, desolate. The Lord has removed man far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. But yet a tenth will be in it, and will return and be for consuming, as the terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down, so the holy seed shall be its stump. Well, this is a very interesting part of the Bible. It's an experience of a prophet. He sees the Lord on the throne, then he experiences atonement, or cleansing, or purging, then he is fulfilling his mission. So as we study this passage, this whole chapter, we can find four interesting contrasts in this, in this part. First of all, the dead king and the living Lord of hosts. We know that King Uzziah died in probably 740 or 739 B.C., quite a long time ago. And he was reigning for 52 years. The question, of course, is what caused his death? Not his age, but something else. And in order to find out, we need to turn to Second Chronicles, a book which we don't read that often, but it's a very interesting source of information, at least some of those kings. <clears throat> Second book of Chronicles, and I'm going to chapter 26, and beginning in verse 16 to 22. It talks about this king who started out well. He was a good king. And he had a long, long reign over half a century. 52 years. That's a long, long reign. And although he started out well, he was a faithful king. He was honoring God in most of his time, his life. Finally, something overcame him. And that's the lesson we need to learn. So, Second Chronicles, chapter 26, and verses 16 to 22. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction for he transgressed against the Lord, his God, by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So what did he do? 
He was the king, but he, he deceived himself that he is a priest. Or he is the high priest. And of course we know that there were other kings. Especially the first one, Saul, who did something similar to this one. But of course, at that time, there was no temple. But in this case, there was the temple. And he went in, entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah the priest went in after him. And with him were 80 priests of the Lord, violent men. Valiant man, I'm sorry, valiant man. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Try to imagine the situation. He was the king after all. Reigning for 52 years. And uh, he, he believed that he was strong. That's what the Bible says. When he became strong. He had a feeling that he has all power. He can overtake everything. He can behave and minister like a priest. He did not see his limitations. Do you see your own limitations? Sometimes there is a temptation that we go, as we say, overboard. But thanks to God, there were priests faithful to God. And they said, I was a very strange phrase, get out from here. That's not a polite request. But that's what they did. Because you trespassed. You did something against the Lord. And you shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious. And he had the censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priests... Leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. He became unclean in the temple. Isn't that strange? Can we become unclean in the house of the Lord? Under this roof? Can we become unclean? All of a sudden, try to imagine his forehead. I can, I can imagine him dressed up like a priest. Holy to the Lord. And all of a sudden, in his forehead, there appeared some white spots. He became a leper. And let's read the rest of this story. 
And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests look at him. And there on his forehead, he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. Try to imagine when somebody striking you. But think about the Lord when he strikes, uh, strikes somebody. So verse 21 says, King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. And the interesting sentence comes, and now the rest of the Acts of Hosea, from first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote. So if you want to read more about King Hosea, then you need to go to the book of, book of Isaiah. Because he wrote all the rest of the Acts of King Hosea. A dead king. He died in leprosy or from leprosy. That caused his death. His personal pride make him fall. And Ellen White is giving us a counsel in, in her book, Christ's Object Lessons, page 161. It says we need to shun everything that would encourage pride and self-sufficiency. Therefore, we should beware of giving or receiving flattery or praise. Well, we need to, we need to shun everything that would encourage pride and self-sufficiency. So that's the lesson from this part of the story. And I would say we should use a glass, not this one, but a glass of humbleness. And look at everything through our glass of humbleness. Because when this king became strong, his heart was lifted up. He became a very proud person. And so he could not see his limitations. Pride would Make us blind. So we need a glass that would heal our blindness or correct our blindness and then make us aware of the presence of the Lord. So we should see the heavenly king in his sanctuary the way how, how we are supposed to do. And let's go back to the book of Isaiah. So the first thing is a dead king. The second thing is a living king. Because it says that in the same year when King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. And we need to see 
our God above everything. He is sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And I like this term, his robe filled the temple. So if God is there, there is no room for anything else. And that's my prayer that this Lord, the Lord of hosts, would fill this temple too. So there would not be anything else or room for anything. The second thing we need to need to see in this picture is that the Holy God and the prophet, and the prophet is saying in verse 5, Woe is me, for I am undone or destroyed or cut off. And we see something three times mentioned here. Holy, holy, holy. According to our Bible commentary, the Adventist Bible commentary, volume 4 and verse 128, uh, the three times holy would mean perfect holiness of character. And you know, only God, the Holy God, can make us holy. We cannot make ourselves holy. Whatever you do, you would not, it would not make you holy. And we would all should come to the conclusion, uh, similar to this prophet, he said, he was the prophet of God, and he said, I am undone. That's the end. In the presence of the Holy God, he felt that he's cut off. He's destroyed. He, he is, has no future. And this is just the opposite of the pride of the king. Think about the king. Went into the temple of God and he wanted to, um, be part of the service as a priest. Transgressed the temple. And he paid the price. But when it comes to the prophet of God, you might say that this man was a holy man. And sometimes in the Old Testament you can read about prophets and with the description that the holy man. Are you a holy man or a holy woman? Even if somebody would see you as a holy person, you need to be honest to yourselves and say, I'm undone. If I compare myself to the holy God, the perfect character of God, three times holy, 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 then what should I say? Of course, God is inviting us to be holy because I am holy. But to me, it's a very interesting experience what Isaiah is sharing with us that even though he was the prophet of God and he has a long book in the Bible, beautiful book, having as many chapters as books we have in the Bible. You know, 
In his book, he has 66 chapters, and we have 66 books in, in the Old and New Testament. And he wrote a lot about the coming Messiah, the suffering servant of God. And now he feels that he is undone. That's the end of his service. Because he saw God. And I think this is, this is a kind of reaction which uh, we should all manifest when we, when we think about God. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. But he adds something. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. What about your lips? Are they clean? Or sometimes unclean? Well, the prophet acknowledged that his lips were unclean. But because God is holy, but he is also merciful, he decided that he would cleanse this man, especially his lips. Very interesting. It says that one of the seraphim in verse 6, One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the thongs from the altar. Isn't that interesting that one person is almost dead at the altar because of his pride, but another is healed by the altar? And this angel, one of the seraphim, came and and took a live coal. Of course, this is a vision. Don't think about burning his lips. It's a vision. But there are other uh, stories in the Bible. For instance, in the book of Daniel, we just studied the book of Daniel in our Sabbath school study. Let's go to the book of Daniel Because we find a very similar story. I was, to my surprise, to to learn that, that if we go to the book of Daniel, chapter 10, then we will find something similar to this. Daniel, chapter 10, and verses 16 to, to 19. Daniel 10, and verses 16 to 19. He says, and suddenly one having the likeness of the sons or son of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke saying to him who stood before me, my Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remained in me now. Nor is any breath left in me. 
Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. Kind of similar experience. Because he had to be touched on his lips. There was something even in the life of Daniel. And he said that he touched me twice. First, when God touched him, he lost his strength. And sometimes we have the same experience with the Lord. When he is touching us, sometimes we, we feel we lose. We lose almost everything. No strength, no breath, nothing. But the Lord would never leave us in that condition. And that's the beautiful part. Because he touched him once again and he said, be, be strong. Because the purpose of God's touch is not to take away the strength, but to give you strength. Even more than strength. Because it says your iniquity, coming back to Isaiah 6. And then verse 7, your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged or atoned for. So this is a pure act of grace. And our Bible uh, commentary says, same volume number 4 and and page 129, the purifying and refining power of divine grace, a transformation of character. That's what this prophet needed. Even in the presence of God, he saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Everything was filled with smoke. I'm undone, he said. I have no future. But God touched him. And this is the way how God is pointing you to the future. Pointing and, and give, gives a direction where to go and how to go. Because he wants to cleanse you. He says a transformation of character. And how does it happen? Well, we are not separated from one another. So holiness doesn't come just by separating ourselves from others. In the long history of Christianity, there were many, many who believed that by separating themselves from the rest of humanity, they they would become holy. And so we have different monks and nuns everywhere in this world and they they make a separate community or community communities and they believe that as long as they separate themselves from the rest they are holy but interestingly enough god is sending this prophet to his own people and he he said that i live among people who have unclean lips and now god is sending him who has 
pur- has been purged and cleansed, going back to the people of unclean lips. Welcome. And he is having a very interesting experience. Telling, but not understanding. Have you ever experienced this trouble that you were talking to somebody, but a person could not understand? Then after some time you lose your patience and you say, I told you a thousand times. Although it was just 999 times. But you say, I told you a thousand times, and you don't listen. And this is very frustrating when you feel that somebody has ears. But don't listen, or eyes, but don't see, and they have hearts, but they, they just don't comprehend. They don't understand what is really going on. So the Lord told me, go and tell these people. And they will keep hearing, but do not understand. They will keep seeing, but they don't perceive. A very interesting prophetic experience. And of course, the divine message can make a difference. You keep talking, they keep hearing. You keep telling, they, they keep seeing. But I don't understand and do not perceive. There's another sentence in our Bible commentary which is very interesting. It says, with each rejection of truth... The heart becomes harder and the spiritual perceptions more dull. Page 129. This is the SDA Bible Commentary, Volume 4, page 129. With each rejection of truth, the heart becomes harder and the spiritual perceptions more dull. And of course, the last question is, how long, O Lord? For how long? Verse 11 says, then I said, Lord, how long? If I keep preaching, they don't listen. If I keep telling them things, they don't pay attention. And I see that they hear, but they don't understand. I, I, I observe them, they see, but they, they do not perceive things. They have no understanding. It says their, their ears heavy, and they shut their eyes. And uh, they would not understand with their heart, and return and be healed. So you keep talking, you keep talking, you pray, you, you preach, you teach. Nothing is happening. Whenever we, we reject the truth, 
it makes our heart harder. And whenever we decide we would not accept a teaching, then our spiritual perception is becoming dull. We would not respond anymore. So what is the end of this story? How long, O Lord? How long should I do this, he said. And the picture is very interesting, but it has a final encouragement. The Lord said, until the cities are laid waste, verse 11, and without inhabitant, the houses are without a man, the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. It's, it's a picture of complete destruction. As I was watching the news on my iPad on the other day, there was an interesting story about somebody who was carrying a big sign. Is this the end of the world? And you know the, the General Secretary of the United Nations said something a few days ago, maybe a couple of days ago, that the Cold War is back. So what's coming next? Is it destruction? Is it going to be the third world war? Whatever comes, we need to preach as long as we can. <laughs> and so what the Lord is telling his prophet, go and tell them, talk to them. Even though you will experience something that they would not listen, they would they, they look like they see things, but they don't perceive. They listen, they have ears, but they, they don't understand. And everything will be laid waste and without inhabitant. Houses are without men. The land is utterly desolate. Is this the end of the world? Is it a complete destruction? Well, Isaiah received a final message. And that's where encouragement comes in. It says that they would like, they would like as a tree that would be cut down. As an oak, for instance. But the stump is still in the ground. It is cut down, but there is a holy seed growing from the stump. This is the concept of the remnant. In the place of seed, it means remnant. Do you belong to the remnant? What do you think about the remnant? Who is going to belong to the remnant? Are we part of the remnant? 
Well, I'd like to finish by going to the book of Romans. Well, this is, this is a beautiful book. And I'd like to encourage every one of you to come Tuesday evenings, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, because we, we can really go deep when we study the book of Romans. This is a beautiful piece in the New Testament. And I, I'm just reading a few verses, just concluding everything. Romans 9, if you would turn with me to Romans 9 and verse 27. And he is referring, Paul is referring to the book of Isaiah. It says 27, Romans 9, 27. Isaiah also cries out, but it is not in chapter 6, but in chapter 10. If you want to double check, it, it, it is written in chapter 10 of Isaiah. It says, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. I would say the faithful remnant. So the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea. Numbers don't make too much difference. It says the remnant will be saved. The faithful remnant. But if you turn a page to uh, chapter 11 of Romans... There is something which is more exciting. Romans 11 verses 1 through 5. It says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, whom he, and that's the key term, for new. What does it mean, for new? For new, but what? What does God know? Or for know? How they would respond? That's what we don't know. He knows from the beginning who will respond and how. And so it says, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew or do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah how he pleads with God against Israel saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars And I alone alone am left. And they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? And this is a quotation from 1 Kings 19 and verses 10 and 14. What does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. He said, I am, I am alone. One of the greatest prophets who was taken up to heaven and now he is, he is uh, depressed. 
I think he, he went into some kind of depression at that point of his life. And he said, Lord, nobody. Nobody's around. They have killed your prophets. No altars. I am alone left. And he did not see what God foreknew. That there were 7,000. They have not bowed the knee to Boah. They were the invisible remnant. Have you heard about the invisible remnant? They are, they are out there. But you don't see them. God sees them. The only thing we can ask for is that God please help me to see the unseen. And help me to find those people who belong to the invisible remnant. But there is one more thing. If you read on, in verse 5, he says, Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Remnant is always there, but because of God's grace, not because of our holiness. This is the so-called historical remnant. Historical remnant. Because he said there is a remnant even today. He was, he was referring back to some hundreds of years to the time of Elijah. And he said it was there 7,000. But he is convinced that there is remnant today. There is remnant today. Do you believe that? Do you want to belong to the remnant? Because the remnant will have a very special privilege. And I'd like to read something from Christ's Object Lessons, page 163. Christ Object Lessons, page 163. It says, Great as is the shame and degradation through sin, even greater will be the honor and exaltation through redeeming love. To human beings striving for conformity to the divine image, there is an imparted and outlay of heaven's treasure. An excellency of power that will place them higher than even the angels who have never fallen. Isn't that something? So if you feel depressed, if you feel like Elijah, I am alone, or you feel like Isaiah, I preach but they don't listen. I talk to them, they don't respond. Then think about this promise. There is always a remnant. And, and the remnant listens. The remnant changes. And the privilege they will have that God will place them higher than even the angels who have never 
fallen. Would you, would you like to be a part of that group? Is, is, this, is this the desire of your heart that you would want to be part of this remnant, the, the faithful remnant or historical remnant? Sometimes invisible remnant. Can be invisible remnants in this church or outside this church. And this, this is my prayer. That through the experience of uh, the prophet Isaiah, we would see the holy God above everything. And as long as we are close to him, he would purge our lives. He would set us aside. He would cleanse us. He would make an atonement for us in the person of Jesus. And may God bless us in this manner. Amen.